following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. In Psalm 92, we want to look at verse 13. The Bible says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Psalm 122, we want to look at verse 1. It says, I will lift up mine eyes. <clears throat> oh, excuse me, that's 21. It says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. And then Psalm 55, we want to look at verse 14. We took sweet counsel together and walked into the house of God in company. God says that there are places that he wants us to be. And in the house of God is important. And these three scriptures talk about um, good times in the house of God. And I, I'll be honest with you, it's hard to think of um, times that weren't good when I've been in the house of God. This is a place that God wants us to be. And he wants to talk to us about it. And so when we talk about the house of God, I want to go through and, and work on some basics. Um, Vince Lombardi, famous football coach, um, every, year, uh, every season when he get his team together, he started with the basics by saying, this is a football, <laughs> all right? <clears throat> there are some basics in the Christian life that are important. But the one I want to center on right now is coming to church, all right? Now, here's the questions I have, the, the situation that I want to talk about, and we'll see um, what, what comes from it. But I want to start off with my first point of what got you started coming to church? What got you started coming to church? For some of us, it was desperation. We were at the end of our rope. We didn't know where else to go. We were, we were just, our lives were a mess. And we said, you know, I need to find some place where I can, I can hear the things that are needful, where I, can, where I can get my life put back together. And desperation can bring you to the house of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 12. The Bible says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Those two words are probably the most devastating that you can hear. If you go to the doctor and he says, he gives you an examination 
And he says, we found something. And I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, there's no hope. That can just absolutely devastate us. The worst position that we can be in on the face of this earth is to have no hope. And many of us, before we ever came to the house of God in the first place, found ourselves in that situation, having no hope. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know where to go. We didn't know what was, was ahead of us. And we needed some guidance. We needed some help. We needed something to put some order and some, some uh, sanity back into our lives. And the church is a great place to come for that. This is a... <laughs> This is not a place where we can come and play Christian. This is a hospital where sick people who have problems in their lives come to hear what the medication of the Word of God can do to solve those problems and to fix those situations in our lives. That's what it's for. Don't feel guilty. By the way, we don't charge a heavy... Um, uh, emergency room charge for you to come here. All right? God wants us to understand that when there's no hope, he has a, a place, a house, where hope reigns eternal, where hope is in everything that we do, where hope is proclaimed loudly from the truths of the word of God. And if you get desperate, come on down to the house of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6, we'll start in verse 17. says, <clears throat> wherein God, will, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it with an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. Does that sound like one of the reasons why we might have started coming to church is because we needed some place just to come on down and, and to, to have our hope restored. Maybe it was desperation that got us going. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was curiosity. Maybe we wanted to know what was going on down there in that church. The people came out, out of the building and they seemed like they were happy. The people um, that were there, you know, they, they seemed like a, a, a really um, diverse group of people, but they all seemed to get along well and, and that, and they sing with a fervor and a, a wonderful sound. Maybe it was 
a curiosity that got us going, saying, what's, what's going on down there? Maybe I'll come and I'll be a part of it. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll just sneak in the back door and I'll sit there and see what's going on down there in the house of God. Look at Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Start in verse 16. The Bible says, Now while Paul waited for them in Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the marketplace daily, market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Other some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. <clears throat> Bible Baptist Church is different. <laughs> we're not... We're not the same. Uh, you come here and you, you, you get something totally different than you get down, down at St. Pat's, all right? Um, between St. Pat's and here, there's the, um, the uh, was, is that a, uh, a Episcopalian church in between there, or is that a Lutheran? I'm Lutheran, okay. Lutheran there. You, you're going to get something different there. You're going to get something different here than you're going to get any other place in town. And sometimes we just wondered what it is, what it might be, what, what's going on down there. I'd I just like to see and find out, and maybe that's what got you going. Maybe that's what pulled you in. Maybe that's what, what set you to, to understanding that that this might be a good place to come and hear the truth of the Word of God preached on a regular basis. Or maybe it was courtesy. I remember when my wife and I were just um, newly married, had one little, one little girl, we showed up, I was in the Navy, and we had gotten stationed over in Scotland. We showed up at this, it was called the Independent Baptist Church, all right? Now, that's pretty generic about what it is, but it was the Independent Baptist Church. We showed up there. By the time uh, the service ended, my wife asked me, she says, what? kind of accent does that pastor have because we were in Scotland she was expecting but his accent didn't sound Scottish and I said he's from the south she says you mean Wales <laughs> and I said no southern 
United States. He was from North Carolina. All right. But we found something at that church. We found that those people would not let us go. They were just nice to us. They gave us a ride home after church. They told us they'd pick us up and bring us back for the Sunday evening service. They told us that they'd um, come pick us up and take us to a laundry so you, we could wash our clothes. They offered to babysit our little, little girl. They offered to help us get accustomed and everything to the area. And, that, and they just loved on us from the very beginning when we got there. Hebrews chapter 10. Look at verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. <clears throat> That's God's plan, is that God's people would make people feel cared for and loved and, and help, want to be a help and a, an encouragement to them. We're not just trying to build up our numbers so that we can be the biggest church in town. Um, <clears throat> pastors' um, adherence to the truth of the doctrines of the Word of God are going to keep us a small number for a long time. That's okay. The reality is that God's people need to love one another. Look at uh, Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. Look at verse 13. It says, But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We need to exhort to build up one another. That's, uh, that's a hallmark of what God does through his people right here in this church on a regular basis. We build up one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. Look at verse 11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. God's saying, as you're doing it, do some more. <laughs> do a little bit better at it. Do, um, just, just go that extra mile. Just go that way to, to, uh, to do a little bit more. Just see what else we can do. Let's see if we can take this to another level. It's important that we love people, that we love one another. I mean, this doesn't just work for visitors, all right? This is not how we just treat visitors and then we kick the older members around and don't care about them. No, I mean, this is an attitude that needs to be pervasive in everything that we do. But God is, is held in high esteem when his people show his qualities. And his qualities are compassion 
and care and love and wanting to be a help and an encouragement. And hopefully that's the kind of thing that, that gets some people started coming to church. Look at Acts chapter 11. Starting in verse 21. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in, in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all with purpose of heart that they would cleave unto the Lord. This church in Antioch was just doing a great job of, of ministering to people. And word got all the way back to Jerusalem, and, and they said, let's send Barnabas down there to check this out, see what's going on. Now they sent Barnabas. Barnabas is nickname was son of consolation that's the kind of guy you want to send around to check and he came down and he says man these people are doing it right these people are listening to god they're they're loving one another they're they're serving one another they're they're faithful in what they do we need to help them we need to encourage them we need to, to keep going there, and we need to learn a few lessons from them as well. 1 John chapter 4. First John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. <laughs> God loved us. He set the example. He showed us how to do it. He says, now keep it up. <laughs> Love one another. That'll get you coming to church. Somebody caring about you. Somebody loving you. Somebody, um, listen, this, this church's mission is not to beat people into the ground. It's not to, to tell us all the things that we've done wrong. I mean, we all know what we've done wrong. We are, we're all aware of how sinful we are. But to show one another the love of God on a daily basis, not just occasionally, not just on Sunday mornings and that. I mean, the reality of, of the, the blessings of the love shown in this church is that it happens every day of the week and God wants us to understand that so what got you started coming to church desperation curiosity or courtesy maybe it was something else I 
can't cover all the possibilities this morning. I just hit these three because three points makes a, a good point in the sermon. My second point, though, is what got you hooked on coming to church? Now, there's the difference. That may have gotten you in the door. It may have been the courtesy of the people or it may have been the curiosity. But what hooked you, Doug's the resident fisherman around here, and he knows that once that fish is, and I'm not saying this because I know better, I am not the fisherman, but he knows that once that fish is uh, nibbling on that bait that you've got to set that hook. You've got to dig it in so that that hook stays in there and then you reel it in. All right. What got you hooked in coming to church? Once you got in the door, once you stayed around, once, once the initial uh, uh, reasons for being here got a little old and a little stale, what caused you to hang on? Well, in this church, I'm going to tell you it's because of the truth. The truth is what hooks people to stay here. It's not because we've got the finest youth program in the world, although I appreciate everything that, that we do with the youth around here. It's not because of the tremendous musical program that we've got, although we have tremendous musicians and, uh, and that. It's not because of the comfortable pews, all right? Everybody has to bring your own cushion just so that you can make it through a sermon. Uh, and that it's not because our uh, our facilities are perfect because we're climate controlled to perfection and that um, it we're in that weird stage where it's hot one day and cold the next and we don't know whether to turn on the heat or try to cool the place down or or whatever but the reality is that's not what keeps people coming to bible baptist church it's the truth first off the truth about salvation. Turn to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. And we're going to start in verse 31. Then said Jesus unto those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. God wants us to know the truth. <laughs> and frankly, you can search all over town and you can find all kinds of things that may make um, being a, a member of a particular denomination or that uh, may be desirable. But here, it's the truth. It's the truth of salvation. It's the truth of the Word of God that makes us free from the bondage of sin. And God wants us to know that. We can't come up with enough good works to, get, to break that 
yoke of sin. We can't come up with um, a, uh, some type of ritual that'll just suddenly take away all of that sin in our life. It takes the truth of the word of God and the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Look at Luke 24. Luke 24, starting in verse 46. He says, And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. God says that the, the reality we need to understand is that salvation, God's plan of salvation, God's way of salvation is for us to face our sins. We need to know that we're sinners and we need to understand that sin. And we need to get to the point where that sin in our life that is heading us for an eternity in hell is something that we hate, that we want to get rid of, that we repent of. We want to tell God, I'm sorry. I want to turn from what this, this sin in my life has done, and I want to turn unto Jesus Christ where there's hope, where there's a future, where there's, where there's love, where, where, where there's exactly what God wants me to have. And that's what I want. That's what it takes. A wishy-washy um, pray this little prayer or, or something like that is not truth. The truth of the Word of God is that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. Even right here in Dickinson, North Dakota. Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, look at verse 9. that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. These truths are the foundation of what God's work here in this church is all about. It's not so that we can perform some kind of social good in our neighborhood. It's not so that we can uh, come and, and be a, a beacon of, uh, of uh, righteous living and, and, and people who um, do everything the right way and follow all the rules and that. No, that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that God says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died for your sins, 
you shall be saved. You say, yeah, but, but I got the salvation thing taken care of. Do you realize that that's just the beginning? Because getting saved is important, but bringing others to know Christ is necessary. Letting God be the one to speak through you to tell somebody else how to get saved. Listen, I know that it's a frightful thing. It's, it's scary to witness to people. It is. I mean, first off, you're dealing with a person's eternal soul. That's scary right there. What if I mess up? You're dealing with things that last for eternity. You're dealing with uh, something personal about dealing with sin and, uh, and getting sin taken care of. Those things are enough to scare us. But God says the reason you're here after you get saved is so that you can bring others to know Christ so that you can and, and we can do it the cowardly way we can just bring them down and let pastor lead them to the Lord all right that's okay we can work on it that way but eventually you're going to come up, uh, to a situation where somebody's going to ask you and God says be ready always with an answer to them that asketh you the hope that lies within you. We need to be able to tell others how to be saved. We need to have the courage to do so. God wants that to be the case. John chapter 10. John chapter 10, starting in verse 27. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. One of the most fundamental understandings that we need to have, and that is, uh, again, a, a doctrinal foundation of this church, is eternal security. If you are genuinely born again child of God, Jesus said, no one is able to pluck them out of my hand because Jesus has got you held tight. He says, my father, which is greater, <clears throat> has his hand and no one's able to pluck him out of my father's hand. We got two-fisted salvation that we can't say, oh, well, if I don't want to be saved anymore, I can just give up my salvation. Phooey. That's ridiculous. You didn't get yourself saved in the first place. God did it. And God says he will never leave you or forsake you. He won't let you go. So we have a two-fisted salvation that holds us. And folks, that's better than all states' coverage. <laughs> I guarantee it. So, did the truth of salvation get you hooked? Did you come along just 
you know, because you had a curiosity or maybe you were desperate or maybe, uh, maybe the people just were so nice to you that they, they drew you in. But maybe you got saved after that. Maybe you got born again. And God hooked you. And that's why you're here, a part of that. Maybe it's the truth about the blessings of God. Genesis chapter 39. Genesis 39. Starting in verse 2. Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, Joseph is not where he wants to be. He didn't get to choose this particular job. He wasn't uh, he wasn't part of the interview. He was made a slave and put into the household of Potiphar, the secret service guards for uh, the Pharaoh. And there in that house, God worked through Joseph and blessed not just Joseph, but blessed the house of Potiphar because of Joseph. If you've been around this church for very long, God's blessed you. God's done some good things in your life. God has opened up some way. And it's so easy for us to forget about the blessings. It's so easy for us to to say, well, you know, yeah, 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 some good things happen. We may have forgotten about the miraculous things that God's wrought in our lives, but he's blessed us with wonderful things since we've been a part of this this family. And God wants us to understand that those blessings come from him. God knows that that we have needs and that every need that that he provides for us, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no... no, uh, Okay, James chapter 1. I'm not going to quote that one off the top of my head, obviously. Okay, look at verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Understand something. Our lives are are chaotic. We have problems and we have, have troubles. But every once in a while, we need to do what that song tells us. Count our blessings, name them one by one. 
And you'll find that if you start doing that, you won't be able to count them one by one. You'll have to weigh them ton by ton. I mean, it's, it's true. God has been so good to us and he's, he's blessed us. And it's easy for us to let those blessings just slide by. I mean, when's the last time you were at a, a church fellowship and just had a wonderful time and no alcohol was involved, um, nobody got into a fight, um, we never, we didn't have any, now there may have been a competitive game of Uno or something going on, um, and there may have been some, a little animosity if Nancy's playing uh, cornhole, because uh, she takes it seriously. But, but as a truth, just we, we have great food, wonderful fellowship, and, and just a wonderful time. That's a blessing that God gives. I mean, people spend 500 bucks um, out on a, a vacation trying to have a, t a good time, and we can do it <clears throat> for the price of a pot, uh, blessing meal that you bring along right here. God wants us to know that he's blessed us. Look at Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs 10. Look at verse 22. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. There's times when the devil comes along and he can provide us some things. I mean, he's, he's still a powerful being. He can make things happen in our lives. Problem is, when the devil provides something for you, there are strings attached and grief and sorrow falls. But when God provides a blessing, there's no sorrow with it. When God opens up his, his windows of heaven and pours out a blessing that we're, we're not able to contain, it doesn't come along with a paycheck at the end or, or a, uh, a bill at the end. That's it. It doesn't come with problems that come along with it. All right, you're not going to get a hangover from the, um, the drinks that we have at our fellowships. All right, you may stay awake a little longer with the coffee we provide, but, uh, but the reality is God's blessings should be one of those things that keep us hooked to being in this church, to being a part of this church to allowing this church to make a difference in our lives because God can provide blessing after blessing after blessing and he doesn't want to quit. He doesn't want to stop. He wants to, he wants to give us a new one every day and several during the day. The blessings of God. How about the truth about learning? Matthew chapter 11.
Matthew 11, starting in verse 28. Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A wonderful blessing that Bible Baptist Church provides is a constant source of righteous, godly education. All right? Folks, we're, we're getting college-level stuff right here. No matter, you know, God's, God's working in our hearts and lives. And we have, have things, if you walk out of this building... <clears throat> after having listened to a message and you didn't pick up anything, it's because you're not paying attention or you don't take notes. My wife writes down everything, um, which is good because then I can read her notes because something slipped through my memory. <laughs> the reality is this church is a place to be educated. It's a place where we can learn and we can take the yoke of Jesus upon us and we can learn of him. He is the one we need to know more about. Pastor's not wrapped up in you knowing the Greek etymology of every word that we come along. No, he wants you to take the good old King James and put it to use in your life. That's what it's all about. And we need to learn. And just... <laughs> Have you noticed that there's a lot of repetition in sermons? Very seldom do you come and, and we teach you something just groundbreaking and new and wonderful. The real reason why is because we didn't learn it very well the first time or the second time or the 125th time. And we still need to have it. And God's not afraid to tell us over and over and over and over again. And we need to, once we get this down, then we can go on to something else. Once we've learned the lesson God's trying to teach us right now, then we can go to the next one. But God wants us to be involved in a continuous plan of learning. Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17, we're going to start in verse 18. The Bible says, And it shall be, when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this, this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him, and he shall read therein all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to keep all the words of his law and these statutes to do them, that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, 
that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, to the end that he may prolong his days in his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. This is God's command for Israel's kings. They're supposed to sit down and write out by hand the word of God. All right? I wish we'd have thought about that and we'd had all the kids have their own copy of the King James Bible that they wrote out in their own hand. Although their handwriting was so bad, I'm not sure any of them could read it. <laughs> but the reality was in the process of writing it down, he didn't stop there. He says, and thou shalt meditate in it day and night. You're going to spend time in that word. You're going to know what God has to say. This is the most important book that anyone in the world can ever own. And even better if you own one and know what it says. And read it. And let God teach you something through it. And he wants to. He cares enough to where he wants you to know the truth. So maybe it was the truth of learning that got you hooked. But here's a third question I'd like to ask. What can tear you away from coming to church? Unfortunately, the silliest little things can tear people away from being in the house of God where they need to be. Somebody said something, made my, you know, hurt my feelings. Somebody um, acted in a way that I didn't like, and, or um, they decided to put gray carpet in the auditorium. What crazy people are they? I mean, they're silly little reasons that people leave a church. Oh, well, down here they've got a this, or over there they've got this. Listen, folks... If the hook got set, if you're here because the truth is here, don't let something stupid, don't let something silly pull you out of it. You're here because God wants you here. There's no better place to be in this, in this city than Bible Baptist Church. Um... I, I will say that unequivocally, uh, and I mean it too. Um, the reality is, we're here for a reason. Look at 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, look at verse 19. The Bible says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Now John's pretty blunt about stuff. And he says, listen, 
Some people took off, but I'll be honest with you, the reason they took off is because they never got a good dose of salvation in the first place. They never got hooked by the truth. They were never uh, a part of what was going on here. They did not fit in uh, with, with us because they didn't want to follow what the Word of God had to say. They left because they were not of us. Now, we hope to keep everybody around long enough that they can be one of us. All right, we want to hang on to everybody as long as possible, give them enough time to have their skulls tenderized enough to where the truth finally sinks in and they understand that they need Jesus Christ as their Savior. But it doesn't always happen. Sometimes they come, they hang around for a while, they get mad or, or, or something at, at something else that goes along, and they leave. The bad thing is when they decide to leave, if they grab a couple other families and take them with them, that's the problem. But God wants us to know that this is the place to be. This is where we need to be to hear the truth of the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 32. Starting in verse 38. He says, And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will give them one heart and one way, and that, that they may fear me forever for the good of them and of their children after them. God wants us to be a part. And by the way, he wants our kids to. All right? Um, that, that's the way it is. God wants us to all be a part of what he's doing here. And he wants us to hang in there. And if something silly happens, let the silly thing happen. Don't get, get your feelings hurt and decide that you're going to jump and bail because of something dumb. Hang in there. Just be a part of us and let God do the work. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2. Look at verse 19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. <clears throat> God knows who's his. Now, we don't all know. We, you know, people can put on a show. People can, uh, you, you can fool the people around you sometimes really well. But the reality is God knows. And if we hang in here, if we're a part of what God's doing here, then God's going to manifest himself to us. He's going to show us 
what's right. He's going to give us that opportunity to live for him. But we have to stick it out. Many times those who don't are doing so because they just don't have the foundation. They haven't picked up on the need for salvation. Acts chapter 15. Acts 15. Look at verse 24. For as much as ye have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying ye must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. <sighs> Listen. The doctrine that comes from the pulpit in this church is right and true and consistent with this Bible. Don't let somebody else come along and say, oh, well, what about this? Oh, here's a special thing that, that they don't know about down there at Bible Baptist. Oh, you can, you can have something different and better and, and that. No, no, listen. There are those who would want to subvert the truth of the word of God being preached. They want to come in and they want to drag somebody else off. They want, they want disciples after themselves. God wants us to know, listen, there is a reason we started coming to church. There's a reason why we hung in here and, and stayed to be a part of it. Let's make sure that we don't let some silly reason pull us off. Look at Jude 19. Jude, verse 19. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the Spirit. Here's where the truth is. Here's where the Spirit of God lives. Here's where the, the foundations of God are, are proclaimed. Those others who don't have the Spirit, who don't, don't have the truth of the Word of God, they shouldn't have any influence on us. We should be a part of what's going on here. Romans chapter 8. This is the best verse of all. This is the last one. Romans chapter 8. Look at verses 38 and 39. that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Don't let anything pull you away. This is where God wants you to be. This is what God wants you to know. This is the place where God's word is preached the way it should be. And we need to be thankful for it. We need to, to rejoice in the truth of the blessings that God's given us here. And we need to stick it out. We need to, to be a part. Don't, don't just, um, just stand by and let things happen. We need to be actively involved. We need to get in knee deep and do the work. Be a part of what God's doing here. And God will bless us. It's important. Can you say with David, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.